Welcome to the Bureau of Complaint. We're your hosts, Laura Jean Moore. And I'm Ty Pemberton. And uh, you're listening to the Bureau of Complaint. Our top complaint this episode is baby boomers. And because this is our first episode, um, what you should know is that every episode will be starting out with uh, the big complaint of the week, but you should know that doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, the number one complaint or the worst thing out there. It's just what we start out with. So here we go. Top complaint, baby boomers. Let's do this. I have a lot to say on the subject. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I think other people are complaining about it, but you know. Not like in fucking magazines. Right. Magazines only complain about millennials. And it's not really clear to me at this point that, like, magazines even know, like, what age millennials are. Like, I feel like... No. no. <laughs> like, millennials are just anybody who's, like, in college, maybe, except people in college it's, now are not. <laughs> it's just, like, whoever doesn't like the people writing the articles. Right. It's just anybody that fits in Anyone that Anyone who fits in that category <laughs> and probably, like, was born in the, like, at least the 80s or later. Yeah. Although these days, I don't think they even know that millennials were born in the 80s. I feel like now they think millennials were born all in the 90s and the early aughts or something. Yeah. Although they're, they're perfectly happy to hate people born in the 80s, too. It's true. It's true. We're like I, I feel like the old millennials are going the way of the Gen Xers, and eventually we'll just be invisible the way that. Yeah. Um, I, like I saw something on Fox the other day. They did a breakdown of the generations, and they had baby boomers, and then it just <laughs> totally skipped an X. Like, it wasn't even mentioned, and then it was millennials, and then whatever Generation Z or whatever Thanks, comes after it. Yeah, right. <laughs> just be like, I guess your first kid just doesn't count. Right. <laughs> I, I, such a better understanding of all the frustration that Gen X has with baby boomers after now like entering into the world and having to work with baby boomers and like deal with them for a while like I feel like when I was younger I was like why is Gen X complaining all the time and now I'm like how did they make it through as the first, yeah. <laughs> the first people behind this generation but they love I mean Gen X I don't want to get sidetracked in a side complaint here but Gen X compared to millennials like, they made it through because they were still on that, like, tail end of, like, 90s affluence. Yes, so. they still had some prosperity. Yeah. They, like, they could be mad about existential things instead of, like, I can't pay rent. Like, like ever. Like, ever. 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 Like, not even just, like, this week or this month, but, yeah. like... Everything is too expensive to live, which is something that millennials have to deal with. Right. And the baby boomers think is just hilarious, which is lovely of them. Um, yeah. So... But for our listeners, I mean, most of y'all probably know this, but the baby boomer generation that we're talking about starts in... It's people who are born in 1946 all the way through 1964. This blows me away. That means that includes my parents and Obama, because they were born, I think, in 1958. Like, we'll have to fact check that, but like... That feels about right, though. They're like baby, baby boomers, Mm -hmm. I guess, but they have all the traits. Yeah. They do. And and we should also clarify that by and large when we say baby boomers, it's the people born in that slice of time, but it's also largely like middle class to upper middle class white folks. White people. Yeah. Like I don't really have any beef with baby boomers who are not white. Like I just have a real problem 
with white baby boomers. Yeah. Like, I'm perfectly happy to Let's, let's talk about... Say that. So what, so once, now that we've established <laughs> that when we say baby boomers, we mean... We what? shall say we're both the children of baby boomers. We are. We are. We are. Yeah. And while we have the relationships we have mm-hmm. with our parents, um, this goes beyond them. And, and my mother and father had a significant age gap between them, so I am a child of both significant slices of baby boomers and my father was born in the 40s and my mother was born in the early to late 50s okay and my parents were born in the late 50s yeah okay so you talked a little bit earlier about how like they think it's just hilarious that like millennials can't like ever pay their fucking rent like never there's like you can never pay your rent like it's gig economy forever thanks um (laughs) so let's 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 just like let's bracket boomers it's like a jumping off point like here's a headline from boomers don't buy Starbucks. Please buy my house. Right. Like, they expect to get their retirement or whatever. Or, like, I don't know. They already have retirement. Half of them still have pensions. Oh, my like, God. Like, our generation doesn't even have pensions. No. And yet, somehow, they're they're just sad they can't get that cherry on top by making a bajillion dollars off the sale of their house. Right. They want to be infinitely mobile. They want to be able to change their life whenever they want. Whenever. They want people to always be available to give them whatever the money they want. At any time. At any time. And, and it they, should be always profitable. They never want to feel guilty for doing any of this. They no. never want to feel like they're abandoning anything. They always want to feel like they've like they've done their job and now they get to like kick back. But like when did they do that? When? <laughs> like cuz it seems like if you just start out in life at a place at the beginning of what is like consecutive decades of prosperity in an economy mm-hmm. when you can change jobs if you hate it. Mhm still do fine, probably get a raise. You know, like, the inflation is not too bad while you're growing up, and then it starts ratcheting up as you get older. Like, everything is pretty inexpensive. Most rent is an uh-huh. affordable multiple of whatever your salary is, if you're in the middle class, at least. And they blame millennials. Like, we made stuff expensive. Right. Instead of it being like them, because now that they're in positions of middle management or higher, they want to keep all the salary for themselves right. at all times. This is something that really pisses me off because I feel like whenever we read these um, these long essays about how executives and CEOs of the present, their, their salaries have inflated by 1,000% compared uh, yeah. to like the 1950s. Yeah. Nobody ever... Minimum wage, incidentally, is only risen by like a dollar fifty, two dollars. Like nothing. Yeah. Like nothing. And like no, I, I feel like I've never read an actual breakdown of the fact that like this inflation has gone hand in hand with baby boomers suddenly moving into those positions. Like they think that they deserve everything for having made it to a level that other people, first of all, have been there before. Uh-huh. Like you're not fucking special because you're the top of a company. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Like people have been doing that. That's how capitalism works. Like you're not uh-huh. like I don't know. Oh my god, I get so mad I can hardly speak about it. But and they're not even really building anything. There's this slight, I mean, now we're getting into corporate politics and everything I hate about that but they're not even really building anything they're like they become the head of companies and it's a slash and burn mentality like you just get on like you fuck everything up and then you leave with a golden parachute right which they do over and over again especially if they're have any like have especially if they have any relationship to vulture capitalism or the kind of hedge funds that did things like destroy toys r us and destroyed sears Mm -hmm. by coming in and basically loading up these companies with massive amounts of debt right that the company then has to pay back and it may and like all the, this whole time they're doing it, the company would have been totally fine 
moving forward as it was. It, w it wasn't super profitable, but it uh -huh. was profitable enough to function. But now that it's loaded up with all this debt, it can't function. They have to file for bankruptcy. The, the people that invested get out of there with, like you said, these golden parachutes of millions and millions of dollars uh -huh. when they unload it to somebody they have down the street who's willing to buy it based upon some greater fool theory. It makes me so mad. And a lot of times they don't even unload it, right? Because it's like, so the, like a lot of that boondoggle is they buy up a company that's like right on the edge. They load them down with debt, right? They install themselves on the boards of board, the board of directors. Rep. They keep voting themselves raises. So right. It's an individual enrichment plan. As they're doing it. As, as they're, they're doing, doing it. it. Absolutely. But they're not liable for any of the damages from the debt incurred because the debt is always to like the original well, company, like, company and the people who were there. And then when the company goes under, they've been pulling down millions for a couple of years, and then they bounce. And they bounce, and then all the stores close. Everyone who's been in wage is out of a job. Yeah. These, these towns across America are totally decimated. And who are the most part baby boomers at the top in these, like, board director's positions mm -hmm. get to leave with millions. It's bullshit. Oh, shall we talk about the worst baby boomer of them all? The president of our United States of America right now. I mean, I try to talk about him as little as possible, but yeah. You like, know, I'm, but. I'm looking forward to the day when we don't have a baby boomer for president. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like even though people by and large really preferred Obama over almost anything we've had in our lifetimes, um, he was also a baby boomer. Yeah. And like, he was a super centrist. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I know that he's taken a lot of flack for that and criticism. Personally, I think that if you're a person of color or if you're in any other minority group, it's very hard to get to that place of power in the existing structures without having to basically toe the line to right. some degree. And like to you, really, really play ball and like, right. yeah. Cause if you're, if you're, if you're as radical as, you might be because of how you've been treated most of your life. Like, no one is going to give you the time of day, at least no one as in white baby boomers who are the ones making the decisions in this case. Yeah. Um, they're not going to let you gain any power whatsoever. But to me, Trump is the ultimate baby boomer. He is totally narcissistic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, to the point where... Like, he, I think he tweeted the other day how good-looking he was. Like, he needed to say that. <laughs> um, everything he does in his position is to enrich himself. He has no notion of what it might mean to be connected to a community or have any sense of loyalty or responsibility for anyone that comes after him. Or even on an individual level. I, I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, and... Like we were acutely aware of the way he did business in the 80s and the 90s. And, like, it got to the point where nobody would do business with him anymore because his business plan was to promise a bunch of stuff and then just not fulfill contractual obligations. Right. He would not just, pay people, not, pay. not do things. Totally. Yeah, and so people stopped doing business with him, and venture after venture after venture failed... But because he has that... He drove a casino to bankruptcy. I know, right? He like, drove an entire town of casinos right. to bankruptcy. Like, how is that even possible? The whole business model of a casino is just to take people's money and give them nothing. Nothing in return. <laughs> like, yeah. nothing. It seems like the perfect money. business for him. And he still fucked that up. He is a failure <laughs> on human. every level of personhood. But he is a white male baby boomer. Yeah, he is. And he has managed through his various cons and, to be honest, just being the mouthpiece of white 
resentful racism in this mm-hmm. country to launch himself into the most powerful position in the United States. Well, that's another thing, is that he has the ability, he's always had the ability because of the enormous money in a tax dodge that was funneled to him by his father, because his father was trying not to pay taxes mm-hmm. on maintenance fees for the slum building, not the slum buildings, but the, the tenement buildings. Right. Um, that he, I wanted to say slumlord, but yeah. He is uh, basically a slumlord. Yeah, he didn't he didn't fix up the buildings he was owning. And yeah. they were they were viciously racist in who they would allow oh, to live Lord. in their buildings. Well here's something everyone knows that in New York City. Here's something that I heard that Trump was doing, this is after his father passed away. Uh-huh. Um, that he was doing in New York is that there was this time in New York, I think it was in the early two thousands, where uh, there was a mental health crisis and he went to the city government of New York and uh-huh. he said like Oh well, I'll put I'll put your I'll put your uh, your people with um, mental health problems. I'll put them up in my buildings. Don't worry about it. And what he was doing is he was using people who were like severely severely ill to scare tenants out of buildings. Oh my god! So that he could tear the buildings down and build something else because he wasn't legally allowed to evict those tenants. Oh my god! And then after those tenants were gone. He would evict... Throw them out of the street. He, he, like, he would evict the people with mental health issues, right. and they would tear the building down. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you know that it's legal in this country to hire someone with developmental or mental disabilities and pay them only a fraction of minimum wage? And that this happens over and over and over again, and that part of, apparently, Goodwill's business model has been to make money off of hiring people at, like, below minimum wage for work. I did not originally work. know that, but you told me that. So, now I know it. <laughs> and now I know it again. Fuck you, me off. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway, back to how racist Trump is. Yes. I mean, this is the biggest thing in the news today and yesterday um, was about him calling out the women of color representatives who are in the Democratic Party um, and telling them to go back where they came from, which, like, anyone who is a person of color... I mean, I grew up in Georgia... Um, that was something I heard white people say to black people all the time. Like, they should just go back to Africa. Uh-huh. Um, as if Africa, first of all, is a country. As if, like, anyone who's black in the United States, like, had a, much of a choice about coming over here. And also, like, they're fucking Americans. Like, like, right. like and so are the these Congress people that he's right. lobbying this at. And the thing that I want to bring up, which I feel like when we talk about white baby boomers... There might be a spectrum of racism, and by spectrum, I mean white baby boomers who believe they're not racist, but are racist, uh-huh. and then the ones who are proudly racist. Right. <laughs> I have never met a white baby boomer who wasn't just very casually okay with having a racial apartheid United States, like, yeah. across the board. Because they're at, at, at their heart, like, some of them run on an engine of hate, but at their heart... One thing that all of the baby boomers have in common is that their comfort trumps everything else. Everything else. else. And the way that the ones who don't identify as racist, like, espouse the same, like, literally the exact same worldview is saying shit like, oh, that's not a very good neighborhood. I hear that seven or eight times a day. I I know, and they pass it down to their kids now. And this is another thing that drives me nuts. Today in in Los Angeles, I saw this thing that um, the neighborhood of Eagle Rock had a meeting with the Metro Los Angeles to talk about a bus route that's going to start going through their neighborhood, and people were screaming. People, by people, I mean white people were screaming that there was going to be a bus in their neighborhood. Oh, my God. Mm. And, like, it's just so obvious to me that so much of the racial politics that people try to cover up 
with these, like, euphemisms, you know, about, like, oh, we just want to live somewhere with good schools, and, like, oh, that's a bad neighborhood, and, like, like, all of that stuff is just a way to say, I don't want to live near black people, because, like, at the end of the day, like, you and I have both lived in neighborhoods that were not majority white for most of our adulthoods, and for me, most of my childhood, I, I don't know about your childhood if it was majority... Oh, it was pretty white. white. It's pretty white. Up. There were there were sections like, that were a little less white, but by and large, it was pretty white. Would you say that the white neighborhoods you lived in have been devoid of crime? No, of course. Uh, <laughs> let's let's reverse this. I'm going to try not to be too specific because these are real things that happen to real people. You know what? Fuck it. Okay, <laughs> these are real things that happen to real people. I'm not going to name names, but yeah. Um, like white, all, white, the, the premise here is that white neighborhoods are fucking full of crime. They're just yeah. not being enforced. Yeah. Like, because our police force goes after neighborhoods that are mostly black or Latino, because yeah. to them, those are those are others. There's, they're people that are right. easy to round up. It's not, they're not going after the people who they consider their own, which are usually the white people. That's by design from the 80s as a way to incarcerate um, a part of the population that uh, the government found threatening. Totally. It goes back yeah. farther than that. Like, yeah. ever since the 13th Amendment, incarcerating people was a regular way, especially in the South, to keep basically slave labor because if you have incarcerated people you get laborers for your farm and that's why they're doing it with Latinos now yeah because they know how to do the shit at a fraction of the price that you would have to pay someone who is an actual fully enfranchised citizen right and I want to clarify that when I say that they know how to do the shit I don't mean that it's like some intrinsic thing about uh, Latinos in the Latinx community uh, that it's like there are articles about how if you remove the migrant workforce from the farms in America, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the people the who own the farms goes. The knowledge goes. Right. The like, knowledge there's no goes. expertise there. The same thing was done to Japanese laborers. Yes. When they were put into concentration camps during World War II, mm-hmm. because in the in the state of California, Japanese um, immigrants had basically turned land that was non-arable into food-producing land, mm-hmm. and the the white landowners who were next to them were jealous and they absolutely lobbied to have Japanese people locked up yeah. and used um, then they took their Pearl land. Harbor as an excuse to do it and then they took their land and never gave it back. Right. And forced them to do the same uh, agricultural work in the camps and then watched how they did it and stole and then, their techniques. And stole their techniques. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, that, and, that's, and that's just what the greatest generation did. The parents of the baby boomers. Right. I mean... <laughs> Which, I mean, I could go off on the greatest generation, too, because I think that there's, like, this whole narrative that we've had since World War II about how we were the champions and the good guys, that we liberated the death camps of the Nazis. And, but, we, but we got into World War II to fight Japan. We only showed up in Europe when it started to be a problem for our money, and we didn't even know about the death camps. We were doing atrocities on German citizens long right. before that. We continued to perform eugenics policies until in the mid, United States in the United States until the mid seventies ourselves ourselves of the United States our government was doing eugenics and they were sterilizing people in the south yep that were both either poor or had mental health issues and in California and in California yeah. And, and you know what? All over the United States. like, like Medical testing continues in prisons. Continues in prisons. Absolutely. Non-consensual. And, and with army privates. Yeah. That also continues. Um, I mean, one of the things you might be picking up from this conversation is, like, Ty is from New Jersey. I am. Sorry. I, I am from Georgia. 
Um, we have both lived in Portland, Oregon at different times. Uh-huh. We've also both lived in New York City at different times. Um, and so it's some overlap, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And then we live in L.A. now, currently. currently. Um, and I've seen all 50 states, and I think that you've seen a lot of the United States. I've seen a handful. Nowhere close to as many. Okay. Yeah. And, like, as a person growing up in the South, I had this very um, naive, romantic idea that I would leave the South and, like, the racial apartheid that I had grown up with would be less apparent and evident in other places in the United States. And it, it was a real wake-up call um, when I lived in other places and, to like, to find out that, oh, like, the entire United States is full of racist white people. Like, that is just what the United States is. And, it's like... see the shining sea. See, see the shining sea. And it's so unbelievable to me that, like, these racist white people in other regions, like, look at the South, like, they're somehow less racist when they have this, like... Like, you could put them in the same room and they'd be best friends. Like, they have the same desires. Like, they... In fact, one of the, I think one of the strangest things for you is that when you came down south... Yeah. You saw that, like, white people and black people in the south interact more than they do in other regions of the United States. Yes, like, this is absolutely true. And, like, it's not... And, and I, I heard someone explain one time, like, in the northeast and in other parts of the country, it's something like the white people are they don't want to live next to a person of color, but they um, are okay with them becoming prosperous, whereas in the South, they'll live next to them to a point and, like, interact with them, but they do absolutely, under all circumstances, don't want them to succeed. Do not want black people to succeed in any way or have positions of power in the government. Um, But I would say, gosh, there are parts of the rest of the country where they absolutely don't want black people in the government. Like, and that's just explicit. I mean, like, in Oregon... Oregon was founded as a white supremacist state. And yep. There's, and it shows. And it shows. And it, there's still so many, like, crazy-ass white supremacists, like John Birch Society and crazy-ass white supremacists yeah. in Idaho and Washington and Oregon and California. Yeah. Uh, well, let me get petty with it for a second. Okay. Um, about Oregon. Like, they like in, in Portland, Oregon, they like to talk about how... Um, like, they like, to, they like to feel like, oh, we're, like, really liberal and free and... and and then, like, you go to, like, Vancouver, uh, Washington, and then that's, 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 like, where all, the, like, the conservative people are, and they just really, they can't, they're not okay with stuff, and it's not great. But, like, you talk about, like, and this is not prudishness in me, but I remember always being a little bit irritated by the naked bike ride that happens in Portland, Oregon. I like the naked bike ride, for the record. Okay. But, like, I, but cool. That's go fair. ahead. Okay. <laughs> but irritated by it, I couldn't put my finger on it, because uh-huh. it's not like, oh, you know, like... If people want to do a thing where they're naked, that's great. But can you imagine hundreds of people of color? Oh, they would never be allowed. No, no, absolutely, they would be picked up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so I see what you're saying. So do you like? And this is true. It's a, it's a blatant exercise of white privilege of them riding around. Naked. Every, every quirkiness of Portland, Oregon, is like, like a, like a really aggressive celebration of white privilege. Whew. That's fucking real, man. Yeah. Wow. Like. No fewer than three unicycle shops. Yeah. Like, and I'm not exaggerating. This is like I counted. This is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really real. Yeah. That, going back to baby boomers while we're, mm-hmm. and while we're on the subject of racism, you know, Joe Biden, who is also a baby boomer, an older uh-huh. baby boomer, has uh-huh. also been criticized because he says some uh, really 
racist things and sometimes. Does. And does racist things. Well, he's had some really racist policies. He's had some great, really incredibly racist policies, like yeah. supporting the war on drugs in like a major way. Yeah. Um, in a way that his con- his constituents probably loved because a lot of the quote unquote liberals of the Northeast, especially the ones with money, have absolutely no interest in any kind of. Um, racial justice or, nope. or class justice in the United States. They just mm-hmm. don't want to have these rules about drugs and sexuality. That's kind of where their liberalism begins and ends. Right. It's a, um, it's a personal liberty. It's, it's a, kind of, it's it's a per, yeah. It's very libertarian actually. Yeah. It's kind of how like most drugs have been legal for use for white people for decades. I mean, you like, could argue that almost all laws are legal for people with money. Well, yeah. Because if, if, especially with our money bail system, if you have money to get out of jail, then that means that jail really has nothing to do with whether or not you committed a crime. It mm-hmm. has to do with whether or not you have enough money to not be subject to the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw somebody say, like, laws are... It's not illegal for white people, or it's not illegal for people with money. It's just illegal for poor people. There's all these... Yeah. And I... When, when I was in the South, too, growing up, I, feel, I felt that really hard about, like... A lot of the moral politics, like the morality that uh, especially the right likes to talk about in terms of like judging people for their sexuality or having affairs or even getting abortions. Right. Like the people who are making those judgments or like saying what is good or what is bad almost always in their private lives are participating in the very things that publicly they're condemning. And what that says to me is that this isn't about what's good or bad this is about what's permitted right and what's permitted is about power because it's about who is doing the permitting it's not about a real sense of what's right and wrong and like it the thing that really i think is bankrupt about the right is they're so obsessed with permissiveness and obedience like being permitted and obedience and, like, earning the privilege of... And by privilege, I mean, like, earning their permission to do something. Right. Um, their past. Their their past. It shows that they take for granted that they're the ones who should be running the country. They think this is their country mm-hmm. and we just live in it. And they also have no problem doing whatever the fuck they want when no one's watching. And usually what that means is, like, their sense of liberty is taking advantage of whoever they want whenever they want. Yeah. Um... It's gross. Institutionally, it's very, it's a very baby boomer way of going about things. Like, Mm -hmm. people like Joe Biden say that they were in the civil rights marches, which, like, okay, this is, I mean, this is something that almost every white baby boomer right now tries to claim that they somehow are personally responsible for anything in the civil rights movement. Yeah. Which, in the 60s, was the culmination of literally 30 years, well, not even 30, like, 50 years of black people organizing in the South and doing protests. Right. And... And literally dying and being shot. Like, I mean, yes, there are a few white people and who showed up in the South at that moment. Right. But, like, it was a minority. Yeah. It was not a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be reductive. But it really, really seems like a lot of the boomers that I meet can fight, like, really liking certain records with, like, being part of the civil rights yes. movement. Yes. Or, like, they went to Woodstock, so they yeah. think they're part of the civil rights movement. Like, no, have- you were high on ecstasy and, like... And what what were they doing? LSD or whatever? And yeah. fucking people in the mud. Like, yeah. you, you didn't, like, fight for people's rights. Give me a fucking Which, if break. that's how you want to live your life, more power <laughs> sure, to you. Sure, I don't but, have yeah. a problem with that. But like, if, I have to, if I have to hear from somebody that is 20 years my elder one more time, like, 
We really made a difference, man. I remember that one time we got into that big concert for free. Oh my god. Go die. Go die. And you know what happened? As soon as those exact same people got any amount of money, they wanted to live in gated communities. Mm -hmm. They wanted to have white representatives. They wanted, they almost all, all the of tax write-offs. All the tax write-offs they could possibly get. They wanted to keep their pension, but make sure no one else behind them had the opportunity. Right. They completely voted to bank. Like, most people, like you, you and I, we're lucky that we even have a 401k. I mean, yeah, right. a lot of our peers don't even have jobs that give them any kind of retirement plan. Right. Like... Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. And then all they do, all they fucking do is greenlight articles about how we're the problem with the country. Like, millennials are the problem because we're trying to figure out how to not shoot ourselves every day. And live in this hell that's been created. And live in this hell that's been created for us. All of us are in debt. I don't know a single millennial who doesn't have a massive amount of debt. Uh -huh. um, all of us, if you went to college, you are are unbelievably burdened by student loans mm -hmm. or you went to a state school and like basically your decisions were made for you by what opportunities were considered prudent like god forbid you tried to like shoot the moon or reach for the stars mm -hmm. in any capacity um or if you did try to do those things you had to beg a baby boomer for money who mm -hmm. now is on your board of directors telling you what you should do with your idea right so they can continue to maintain control absolutely and again, that whole thing about permission and discretion, it's like uh -huh. at their discretion. Um, oh my god, and now they're going back, so they've been retired and they don't feel relevant anymore, so now baby boom, I mean, this is, we're making a big deal out of it, it may have been only an isolated incident, but that now baby boomers are going back and getting internships that should be going to young people, if those young people can even like afford to take, yeah. Like it's cute. Yeah. 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 And then they're getting applause for it. Applause for it. Or I saw that they're going back to school. And they're getting to take classes that we have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for, and they get to go for nothing. And it's like, look, I love education. I think it's great to have a continuing education as an older person, but it is totally unfair that literally everything has been handed to them, and yet they act like they worked really hard for it, and that they somehow deserve it more than anyone that came behind them, because... They were born at, like, the right moment in time? And hijacked like, the institutional apparatus. Give me a fucking yeah. break. Like, the the ratio of the rents that we pay compared to how much, like, salaries have gone up. Salaries have been stagnant for 30 years. Yeah. <sighs> I have a feeling that we'll return to this topic on other bureaus of complaint. Oh, yeah, it's connected to so much. Um, but I think I just, like, ran hard and ran out of steam. Okay. Um, for our listeners, if, if you enjoyed this episode, we're hoping that you'll give us some feedback and send us the things you'd like to hear us complain yeah. about. Um, you can do that by going to our website, which is bureauofcomplaint.com, and uh, sending us your big complaint of the week, and we'll try to address it on our next episode. Yep, yep. I guess that's it for now. Yeah. Signing look, off. I'm look, looking forward to letters, if we can get that up and running. It'll be great. Again, this is Laura Jean Moore. And this is Ty Pemberton. What's a bureau without paperwork? <laughs> and you've been listening to... The Bureau of Complaint.